Today's episode is brought to you by DB. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything. From the streets to the peaks, DB gear is travel tested by some of the world's best athletes, adventurers, and creators. Over the past decade, DB has designed and developed, released, and refined the best bags in the market. With DB's patented hookup system, you're able to attach smaller products to your backpack, roller, or tote. And believe me, I've traveled all over this country and I've traveled internationally with some of the athletic teams I've worked with over the years. And there's nothing more important than having the right luggage or bag when you're traveling. We're teaming up with DB to exclusively offer our listeners 10% off your next purchase by using the code POD10, that's P-O-D-1-0, or going to the link in our show notes. DB, it's time to move on. It's time to get going. List Podcast, your source for all sports injury topics. For the weekend warrior to the sports fantasy guru, we keep you in the action and out of the injured list. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the host of the Injured List Podcast, Brian Scott. Hey guys, Brian Scott, your host of the Injured List Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Listen, every Thursday live on the Clubhouse app, under the tutelage of the Pro Sports Network, I am doing a live Q&A session to give you all the latest updates on sports injuries throughout the NFL and all the major professional sports. So if you have some questions or if you want to know What's going on with your favorite athletes before you put them in the starting lineup of your fantasy roster? This is your chance to ask me the injury expert, Brian Scott. So what you're about to hear is one of our first episodes of this live session that I recorded. So sit back, relax, tune in every Thursday on the Clubhouse app at 745, the Injured List podcast, Injury Updates under the Pro Sports Network. Thank you guys very much, and I hope you enjoy it. This is the Injured List Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Are you interested in being a guest on the show? Or do you know someone who would make a good guest? Want Brian Scott to be on your show? If so... Share the podcast with your friends or drop us a line and we will get back to you right away. Email us at theinjuredlist411 at gmail.com or visit our website at www.theinjuredlist.com. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. Welcome to the Pro Sports Network, uh, your central hub here on Clubhouse for all things professional sports. Uh, you heard Brian up here. We also have Candy, the founder of Pro Sports Network. Also, Nikki is up here. And then Sports Rumble Brian is with us. <clears throat> Excuse me. I apologize. I actually just got home and, uh, and ran up there to get ready. So I'll be ready in a couple of minutes. But, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Thank you, Chris. I am Ryan, also known as Sports Rumble. I host a show from 12 to 2 
from Monday to Friday, show known as Relentless. And I actually just got finished with that show not long ago. Please tap in with that show with the Pro Sports Network. Thank you very much to Candy and Chris for bringing me along for that. And let's turn it over to Brian. I'll jump in here for a second, guys, to give you guys a breather. So I am Candy, founder of the Pro Sports Network. Also, we are going to be having a party next week because we just hit 20,000 combination members and followers. Actually, I think we're 20.4. 20, 20. So we're so excited. So, guys, stay tuned for our party next week. Uh, so I want you guys to, we don't know exactly what we're going to be doing, but we are going to be doing something. Also, uh, starting so on Sunday, uh, at 7, I'm sorry, at 8 uh, p.m. We normally would have Sakura, but she's been ill on Sunday starting at 7. But at 8, we have Kev, who's doing College Gridiron. And starting next Tuesday, Kev and Terrell are going to be doing a show. Um, they're going to be talking to NFL Wives. And uh, they're going to be doing kind of a unique show with a lot of special guests. So make sure you tune in next week on Tuesday at 9 p.m. EST. And we're going to be adding shows every week. So, guys, just make sure that you hit the bell. Make sure you're following the Pro Sports Network. And if you have a, if you have something that uh, you think is going to be a good show, uh, just make sure that you inbox one of us. And also, if you have an item that you want to pitch, if you have a new book, if you have a service and you would like us to shout it out, we do have a very inexpensive sponsorship uh, that we will not only shout out on the show, we will put in the updates and we will also shout it on on our social media. Uh, so just uh, inbox me with anything that you have or ideas and we also have a website as well. Thank you very much and I'm going to turn this over to Brian. Thank you, Candy. Really appreciate your help in getting all this uh, stuff going here. Um, we're going to take some questions from the audience uh, in a bit. I'm just going to get started and just let you guys know that I am currently practicing as a physician assistant. I work in orthopedic sports medicine and surgery. This is what I do every day, nine to five. So um, I'm in it. I'm in the mix. And this is what I'm here for. So if you guys have questions about any athletes that you're potentially putting on your fantasy sports roster, or you just want to know some general knowledge about what the injury is and what that athlete potentially may be dealing with, this is your chance to ask. Raise your hand. Chris and Ryan are going to kind of help sift through the audience and sift through the questions. So um, they will be in charge of that. I have been getting a bunch of questions recently um, since football has started. And that's what we're here to talk about. And this is probably the busiest time of year for me because I get people hitting me up all the time wanting to know what they should do about drafting somebody on their fantasy roster or what to expect about an athlete who's either dealing with an injury or coming off an injury from last season. And right now, probably the biggest questions I've been getting are centered around Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham Jr., and um, more recently, Carson Wentz. So I'm going to get started with those guys, and then if you guys have any other athletes you want to talk about, let me know. Um, Saquon had a pretty serious injury last season. He had an ACL tear, um, rupture, basically, which means he completely tore the ACL ligament, which is a major ligament in the knee. It's one of the primary stabilizers of the knee joint, meaning anytime you cut, plant, change direction on the football field to avoid tackles or run your plays or run routes, 
that ligament is responsible for maintaining the integrity of your knee joint. When that ligament gets injured, it's a substantial injury. Oftentimes when that ligament is injured, there is multiple injuries associated with it. So it's not just an ACL most of the time. You can also have an MCL, which is the ligament on the inside part of the knee. That can also be torn to some degree. And you can also have a meniscus. Meniscus are the two shock absorbers of the knee. And when they are injured, that complicates things. In Saquon's case, he had a meniscus injury along with his ACL. And at the time of his surgery, this was apparently, from what I've read, repaired. And what does that mean? Well, that complicates things when it comes to his recovery. It prolongs it, and it makes it more difficult. And one of the reasons why you have not heard a very definitive timetable for his return, even though he's like 10 months, maybe even more out from his surgery, is because of that meniscus repair. It's tenuous at best because the meniscus is a structure that just doesn't heal very well. And the surgery is not always successful and it prolongs your recovery. So he has not been um, able to get back on the field and do football type activities until recently. Part of that is because his, the earlier phases of his rehab were pushed back so he can recover from that meniscal repair. Now, when you look at a player like Odell Beckham Jr., who also sustained an ACL injury two months after Saquon, but yet he's already back on the field practicing, well, that tells me from my perspective and my experience that he probably had an isolated ACL injury, which means he probably did not have any structural damage to the rest of the knee that required any surgical treatment. And all they had to address was that ligamentous injury to the ACL. And so that's really important when you look at the return timetable and when you look at what skills are able to do at what time frames. So typically with an isolated ACL, you can expect athletes to be back anywhere between six to nine months, full go, no restrictions, full pads, the whole nine. Well, when you're talking about having a meniscus surgery or injury and repair on top of it, that can sometimes push things out to over a year. So I'm not surprised that Saquon's still not back cleared to play and he's still on the um, person unable to perform list. So that, you know, is where the difference lies. And Odell's doing great, which I would expect. I mean, he's a professional football player. They have access to uh, rehab. They have access to physicians. They have access to stuff that the normal population just does not. So in order to get back to the football field in a six to month, nine month time frame, I think Odell falls right in at about that nine month mark. Then that's, that's to be expected. Saquon, I don't expect him back until at least after that year mark. So I don't think we're going to see him back for the first uh, couple of weeks of the season. Um, and a lot of it is really based on how he feels at this point. It's not really the surgeons kind of pulling the strings. It's more him. So when you hear Joe Judge talking about how well he's doing and how explosive he looks in practice, keep in mind, this is him on the side doing these activities with no pads, with no contact, with no other athletes kind of around him trying to tackle him. This is him just going through his rehab prot protocol and doing things on the side outside of the team practice. This is not as a cleared player participating in practice because when you're on the PUP list, you cannot practice officially with the team. If you do, it's a violation of league rules and the organization can get fined. So um, now turning 
over to the Carson Wentz injury. This one is completely out of left field. I did not ever expect to hear anything like this. The reports coming out of uh, uh, the camp is very confusing. Uh, um, Frank Reich was on Pat McAfee's show uh, talking to um, Pat McAfee about the injury and what the doctors were saying and the surgery that he's supposed to be having and the timetable to return, which was projected anywhere from five to 12 weeks, 12 weeks, which is a huge range. Um, it didn't make much sense to me. And keep in mind, I do this every day for a living. So I'm not quite sure what's going on with his injury. There's only a few things I can think of that it may be. And none of them really um, jive with what's being reported. So I'm a little confused myself. And when you hear it coming from the head coach, um, you're not going to get the information you need to make a good decision about whether or not he needs to be on your fantasy roster and when to expect him back. My gut is telling me that he probably will be back sooner rather than later. So I'm probably edging toward that five week mark rather than that 12 week mark. But you never really know when you're hearing the coach report it. And, you know, there's a lot of other ulterior motives to be uh, digested when you hear the coach telling you what the injuries are and what the treatments are and what the timetable to return is because, you know, they don't want to give the, their hand out. You know, it's like playing poker. You don't want to release your hand too soon and let the other players know what's going on. You know, they got to compete and they have opponents and they don't want to let their hand out too early so that other teams can prepare and plan for the game plan. So I don't expect him to, divulge all of the information, which I know he's not because it just doesn't make sense. So, um, and then the, the fact that apparently the linemen on the team also had the same injury and subsequent surgery like a day later, just very ironic. So I'm going to leave it at that and uh, pass it over to Chris and Ryan to take some questions. Or if you guys have any questions, let me know. We have, there's a myriad of athletes that are undergoing injuries. I'm here. Time, it's your time to ask. So I'm game. Let's go. I got I got one because it's an injury that happened recently. I want to know what you think of the Kenny Galladay injury. So when you tell me what the injury is, I may not have heard of it. So tell me what was reported that you heard. Um, I have to go honestly look it up. It was a recent injury at Giants camp that he is on the injury report. I have been looking into it, but haven't had the chance to fully immerse myself. Yes. In it. And that's fine, but Ryan. Yeah. That's okay. Um, from what I see here, it sounds like he has a hamstring injury. And, you know, when you're this early into camp, not unusual to see guys pulling up lame with hamstring injuries. The hamstrings are the muscles in the back of the thigh. They're one of the weaker muscle groups in our entire body. And when you factor in the fact that our quads, which are the muscles in the front part of our thigh, are one of the strongest, it's not unusual to see hamstring injuries when guys come into camp somewhat out of shape. And I'm not saying that Kenny Galladay is, but that usually is what leads to these type of injuries this early on in the preseason. There's probably some type of muscle imbalance, some weakness there. He may not have been doing what he needed to do in the offseason to kind of prepare to be able to do those explosive sprint-type tech movements. And especially as a receiver, when all of your um, 
requirements are of skill and speed and power and being able to um, turn and run routes in a sharp, quick manner. The hamstrings are really important muscle group in doing that. So hamstrings, the one downside to hamstrings is that they are notorious for taking a long time to get better. I've seen athletes with grade one or twos, which are fairly mild, hamstring injuries take months to get better. And a lot of times if you're having this problem in the beginning of preseason, there's a very high possibility that this will linger for the entire season if not addressed quickly and appropriately. So I expect they're calling for two to three weeks of missed time. I would not be surprised if it's even longer than that. I have a question. Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. Hi, hi guys. How are you doing? My name is Nishka Joseph. Everybody call me Nikki. <laughs> and if you know me, I'm a women's football player. I'm 46. I played 14 years, still playing football, 14 years football, 13 years with the New York Sharks, and two years with um, Cali War. I'm number 77. They go, I, my name is Black Nasty. So I'm a nose tackle. Um, two years ago, no, four, three years ago, I got hurt. I broke my tibular and fibular on the football field running uh um, I was running a ball in. I was fullback. I played nose, but I sometimes sometimes they call me William the Refrigerator. So if I have to do the fullback thing, there you go. I'm gonna run the ball in. Apparently, it was an All Star game. I got hurt. What happened to me was I got hurt, but I was back on the football field in four months. I don't know how broken foot everything got my leg back together, and I came back and got a championship with the Sharks. So, um, like, women play football just like men. We get the same injuries. Like, if you notice, this year alone, we had two women that had been, where their legs were broken from playing football in two different leagues. The WFA, which was just now, um, last week, Boston um, Boston Regonators or something like that, they just won a championship. And it was um, posted on, like, you know, played on ESPN or something. And this week is another championship which is the Women National Football Conference, which the NFL and um, Chicago um, Bears are announcing. So if y'all would like to see women in action, all colors, all race from 18 to the oldest, probably you'd be like 65. We play deaf. We, we play, you know, we just come out to play. Just so to be normal. We don't get, we don't get paid. So it's we pay to pay. We pay to get paid compared to the men who get paid to play. So, yeah, I just wanted to let y'all know. Well, that um, kudos to you, number one, for being 46 years old and still playing any competitive sport, let alone football. I mean, that's unbelievable. Um, not very common. In fact, you're a rare bird. So kudos to you. I congratulate you on being able to get through that injury. And get back on the playing field. So thank you for that. Um, I have a question. Um, hey, oh. hey, Nikki, are they getting concussions like at, in their 60s and 50s and stuff? Yes, we are. We got concussions. Because remember, we're playing. We're also playing with transgender women. So that's a different thing in our league. I have to, like, I got to step up and play again for transgender women. 
And the girls are, yes, they girls, we have girls who are six feet six, 400 pounds. <laughs> you know, I played against Damn. Germany. I played against, you know, it's like, isn't I like me, I guess um, I started playing when I was 31. I didn't know what football was because I transitioned from track and field to football. And then when I got into football and I saw the size and, you know, I was one, like I'm a triple threat. I'm big, strong, and um, fast. I bench press 235, squat 415. So um, I was, you know, I came from track and field. I was a shot putter. So I was, you know, you know, we get the shot putters out there. We can kick ass, you know. But um, it's, it's like I'm, I watch I watch a girl, get, one of my teammates got folded backwards. And I'm saying I've broken two, three legs, arms, you know, you know, because I'm strong. You know, I got that. I'm a lefty. I'm a dangerous. I'm a lefty. I'm not going to lie. I'm a dangerous lefty nose tackle. And if my mic my, my was making 99 tackles, but I mean, I was demanding two, three girls on the field, just on the line by itself. That's right. So, <laughs> so yeah. you know, I just, I just like black out. That's why my name is Black Nasty. I black out and just do what I got to do. You got film on like your IG page and stuff. I got it on my IG page, and you can go on our um um in, um YouTube, uh, Facebook. There's a lot of women out there kicking butt. There's a there's a big championship game which the Chicago Bears from the NFL is promoting that's coming on this weekend. It's gonna be on the WNFC Women's the Women's Football National Conference. They're doing it big. They're they sponsored by Adidas. I just wanna you know good. people to give us, you know, our depth. Yeah, no, that's that's real good. Look wow. at that, making uh making education connections here uh, on the injured list on the Pro Sports Network, and uh, Candy's also uh, involved in professional women's football. It's uh, a new a new market in a new era, and I think Brian is gonna uh, see how he's gonna be able to actually get into that market as well. Uh, going into some NFL injuries, also uh, there's been some rumors. Uh, as well in Indianapolis. And, and when you're talking about Carson, uh, their center also went down and, and had a foot injury uh, as well, just had surgery. But there are also rumors, at least here in Indianapolis, talking about Andrew Luck coming back uh, as well. And I was actually wondering, Brian, uh, Andrew Luck had a myriad of injuries that, that really forced that early retirement on him. Uh, and, and somebody, you know, when I was talking to him around the retirement, like, it, it, I wouldn't be surprised in two or three years after his body has healed uh, that he would be coming back. Uh, in that sense, like, is there a cutoff? Like, if he were to go out and he comes back, is he uh, more susceptible to injury? Uh, maybe the totality of injuries he's had, Brian, and you've seen this in other pro athletes, sometimes the attrition is just too much to come back. When do we start looking at Carson Wentz or, or some of the other people like uh, Galladay, who's also been injured multiple times with little nagging ones? When do we start looking at the attrition rate? When should we uh, pay attention to that when drafting in our fantasy draft? That's a great question, Chris. And that's why I got you here, because Chris always asks the tough and good questions. Um, you know, there is a few different fantasy sports league websites, and I can't give you the names off the top of my head. 
but they actually statistically look at the history of injuries of each individual player and what the likelihood is that they're actually going to sustain and be out of time due to injury in the upcoming season. Carson Wentz is actually on top of that list for a lot of different uh, websites that do that, believe it or not. Um, when you're looking at a guy like Andrew Luck, he's now 31 years old, I believe, and I think he's been out of the league now. Has he been out of the league an entire year? I guess if you factor in that 2020 was like a shortened season, he may not have even been out of football for more than a year, year and a half tops. Um, it really comes down to whether or not he's maintained some level of physical fitness um, and cardiovascular um, fitness that allows him to get back under center, taking snaps, and playing in a full game. And if he can say to that question, the answer is yes, 100%, then he's no likely to get injured more so than he would have if he had kept playing. But to some players, that year and a half of rest can do a body good. For some players, that year and a half in rest if they're not working out and maintaining some degree of cardiovascular fitness and muscular fitness can be very detrimental. So the only way to know that, and the only way to get the answer to that question is to suit up and, and give it a shot. And at 31, you're still fairly young in the grand scheme of things. When it comes to professional football, though, he's toward the middle, toward tail end of his career. I mean, when you look at the average football player, I think the average lifespan, and when I say lifespan, I mean, years in the league is somewhere between like three and five the last time I checked and whether or not that's changed much, I don't know. Um, and the quarterback position these days is a lot more protected than it used to be. So you could probably increase that lifespan in the, as a career in the NFL as a quarterback. But you know, when you fact, you have to take a look at the whole picture. There's not any one thing that would really give me an indication as to whether or not he'd be able to come back stay healthy and be as top tier as he was before he left. Um, it really depends on the individual. So, you know, at 31, if he feels good and he's been maintaining some form of cardiovascular fitness and still training on the weights, there's a good chance that he can come back and be very successful. It, it probably wouldn't be the first time. I couldn't think of anybody off the top of my head. Football is one of the sports where when guys hang it up, they usually hang it up for good. And the reason for that is when they when they're on their way out, they're usually pretty damn sure of it because they've been dealing with so many injuries and riddles. Kind of like uh, that's why we always have to have a. I always wonder what happened with Barry Sanders or the likes when they retire early. Uh, but here is another one: um, AJ Green uh, with the Cardinals. Uh, I mean, he's now an elder statesman in the league, and and he seems to have been broken down. Can you go through uh, kind of like the wear and tear on the fast twitch muscles and joints, talking specifically knees and ankles here and how that takes away from the explosiveness uh, and, and to see if, um, if there's anything he can do to prolong his career at receiver? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot they can do and there's a lot they have access to that enables them to do that. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, they have access to physical therapy, um, professionals, physical therapy facilities and equipment um, that the normal population just does not, not to mention that this is what they do for a living. So they have the time to do it basically 24-7 in and out of season. 
none of us can really say that here on this stage. Um, there's really no formula or no secret to allow somebody to maintain some type of longevity in the league, aside from that they're in tip-top shape at the start of every season. They take care of themselves when they know they should. They don't play through minor injuries that then become major injuries. And physiologically, they're just gifted and they have a good genetic code. I mean, that is a big part of it. You know, there are plenty of guys out there that had the physical attributes to be super successful, but for whatever reason, they just couldn't keep it on the field at 100% of their health. And as a result, their careers tended to be much shorter than people anticipated or that people had hoped. You know, AJ Green's been in the league a long time. He's been successful. And a lot of these guys that have nagging injuries that you hear about, they probably have twice as many nagging injuries that you do not hear about because they're not something that necessarily has to be reported because it didn't allow them to, or negate, uh, necessitate, that, necessitate, necessitate that they lost time. So as many injuries as you hear about in the press and in the media and on the injury reports, there is probably a whole slew of stuff that these guys are going through that you don't hear about that they may not complain about or that they may not seek treatment for or that they do. And it's just a minor thing, according to the medical reports and injury reports, that you just don't know. So you can, you know, calculate that out exponentially. Whatever you've heard about AJ Green's injuries, he may have had twice as many more that we just never knew about. So there's really no secret formula, but I will tell you this. The NFL is notorious for the players that play in the league that then retire. They do have a lot of long-term negative health effects from the sport. And that's because these guys are playing a very brutal sport. I mean, when you're running downfield at full speed and you're hitting another guy with pads, you know, it's, it's, it's like being in a motor vehicle accident each time. The forces that are involved, the newtons of pressure that are involved in hits and just hitting the ground and getting hit from another opponent. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous and it's off the charts when you compare it to other sports where you don't have that level of contact. Oh, sorry about that. I would like to chime on that because I had an opportunity to meet the New Orleans Saints and they let us, they had, did a work, work games with us with all countries that play football because there's like 29 teams um, 29 countries that play football besides us Americans. And when we went there, like, they were shocked about me because they were like, yo, when someone breaks their ankle, they don't come back in our league, blah, blah, blah. And I noticed that some, a lot of the guys, the NFL guys, their lifespan was like 25 comparing to us who goes from 18 to 65. And I was determined to come out. Like, I was going out when I got hurt. I wasn't. I, I was supposed to walk in five months. I was walking in three. I was in the. I was going PT four times, no, five times a week, and I was doing stuff myself and going in the pool. So when I came in, yeah, I had a little limp, but I then I took um, karate, um, jujitsu, and jujitsu helped me um, come back in shape for the Team USA tryout. So right. it was good. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, uh, Roman. Do you have a question for Brian? Yeah, sure thing. Um, this is Roman Edmond. Um, I deal in fantasy sports, um, particularly in football and baseball. So this is a perfect uh, room for me, and I appreciate being on the stage. Um, 
I guess my question for you, Brian, is what what can you tell us about the Dak Prescott injury as well as is Zeke going to be okay? Um, what's your thoughts on him this year? I know he lost weight, and I think he's, you know, he seemed like he had a hamstring issue and some other things last year. So um, any take that you could provide would be helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Dak Prescott because as nasty as his injury looked, and it and it was nasty, don't get me wrong, this is one of the rare instances where you almost rather have that injury than like an ACL or some other like soft tissue ligament or tendon injury. And the reason I say that is because when you break a bone, you typically break a bone. And when you have it surgically repaired and it heals, which there's no reason to think Dak would not have it heal, then you're usually as good as you were before the first or before the injury, I should say. So there's no reason to think that Dak had any other major trauma to his body aside from that injury. Now, with the ankle, there's always a risk, just like any other joint, that you could have sustained some injury to the joint itself, meaning the cartilage in the joint or the ligaments around the joint. But Dak Prescott's injury, as bad as it and nasty as it looked, was actually probably one of the better injuries you could have had. And that's assuming, and I and I assume because I didn't hear anything about it, but that it was a pretty straightforward injury and a pretty straightforward surgery to fix it. And if that's the case and he didn't have any glaring um, structural damage to the rest of his leg, then he should be, uh, I would expect that he would make a full recovery and be back to the DAC he was before. That being said, that doesn't, that's not always the case. But from what I've seen of him in the preseason and from what um, I've heard, I don't think that he'll be hampered much by this. I think he's had adequate time to recover and heal. He's had adequate time to prepare. Um, and I would expect Dak to be the Dak that he was before the injury, shaking off some of the rustiness that comes with being out of action, but not necessarily having anything to do with his ankle injury. Um, as far as uh, Zeke goes, I'm not too familiar with any of the major injuries he's had. Uh, hamstring injuries, like I said earlier, are notorious for being nagging. But if you've had a whole offseason to recover from them and get right, then I don't think it will be an issue for him going forward, unless this has been something that's been a nagging injury for him for many years. Whenever you hear about football players losing weight, that can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. It depends on the weight loss and whether it was intentional and whether it was body fat or if it was actual overall mass. Um, that can sometimes then kind of skew things. You know, at, at the running back position, you want to have a mixture of speed and agility, but also be able to take hits and bounce off hits. You know, Zeke is one of those guys that was known as a power runner. So um, that's been his game, I think, for since he got into the league. So if he lost a little weight, will that affect his game? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but other than that, I don't think Zeke is going to be too much affected by it. I got a question, Brian. Um, people seem to assume Zeke's going to get back to his 2016-2017 form. Is that naive? Well, it you know, it has happened. There are some guys um, that, for some reason, later in their careers peak, and some of that is attributed to a change maybe in their off-season preparation 
or training program. Um, football's not one of those sports, usually. Uh, I would use Jacob deGrom as an example, as a, an athlete who can do that. You know, he's having, before he got injured this year, he was having arguably the best season of his career. And he's like 30-something years old and has been in the league now for several years. He was having a more dominant season than ever before until he got shut down. Football is not typically like that. There are some examples. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Whether or not Zeke gets back to 2016 form, I don't know. I'm a little more skeptical, skeptical about that. Well, you know, losing weight, like I said, is one thing. Where the weight loss came from and whether it was intentional is another. Um, you know, is he looking to change his style of play? And maybe that might help. That's possible. You know, guys have done that before. And as a professional athlete, you need to be able to adapt your game. So as you get older, if certain things that worked for you when you were younger don't, and you have the ability to adapt and change your style of play, and that leads to more success, that's a possibility. Whether or not that's the case with Zeke, we'll have to wait and see. It's not common, especially at the running back position. You can look at guys like Barry Sanders. He was always the same kind of runner he always was. He never changed his style. He was a cut slasher avoid tackles, you know, burst of speed. Um, you look at some other guys like Bettis. He was just a power running back, blast through the line, run over guys as he went. You know, he didn't change his style either. And those guys were both very successful. Can Zeke change his style and do that? I don't know, man. History probably says no. But if he's done the right things and taking care of his body and that's what he wants to do and he's able to do it, time will tell. Okay, thanks, Ryan. Great question, Scott. Great question. Uh, Ryan, it's been a minute since I have been uh, graced the stage uh, with your presence, I want to say. What an awesome job you've been doing. Keep it up. I want to thank Candy, of course, uh, for giving everybody a platform uh, to come speak about professional sports. And, Brian, I'm going to throw you a curveball real quick just to keep you on your toes. One NBA injury to speak of, Clay Thompson. Uh, thought we would be seeing him uh, getting ready to gear up a little bit uh, as he's recovering from his ACL injury. In the difference between basketball and football, uh, is this merely how teams tend to attack the rehabilita uh, rehabilitation process? Because it seems that now the NBA is taking longer but the NFL still seems currently uh, to be maintaining the let's get them on the field as soon as possible strategy. Do you see that uh, as the way I described it? And do you think it'll change in the NFL? Uh, your thoughts? Well, Clay Thompson is a unique situation because he didn't just have the ACL. If you remember, he also now had an Achilles injury as well. And I can't recall off the top of my head if it was the same leg as the ACL, but literally as soon as he was cleared to come back and start playing for the ACL, he ruptured his Achilles tendon. And if there's two injuries you do not want to have as a basketball player, it's those two. So when I heard that that's what happened, man, what a, what a punch in the gut that was. Uh, I mean, especially at the height of your career, for Clay Thompson to come back and be the player that he was before is going to be a monumental task. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to have to in some way, shape, or form, alter his game, whether that means he 
loses a step and he's going to be more of a spot-up shooter, less of a playmaker, less of a guy who drives the basket. I don't know. We'll have to see. But two horrible injuries as a professional basketball player at the height of your career. Now, when you compare basketball to football, you know, the basketball, in, and this is more my personal opinion rather than my professional opinion because each sport has different requirements. Each sport has different unique characteristics that kind of help determine whether or not guys are coming back from injury and when and how you treat them. You know, football, you play one game a week, you have all week to prepare. Um, a lot different than basketball where you're playing every other night and you're traveling constantly, 82 games versus, you know, 16, 17. It's just, they're different animals. So it's hard to compare that. But when you factor in the money being thrown around to some of these guys and but the salaries in basketball um, and the fact that they have the longer season with more games, it's not surprising that a lot of these guys these days are being held out for extended periods of times doing, due to, quote, load management, unquote, and other things that maybe you wouldn't see in another sport like football. And don't forget, you know, this, the, the window of time where you have athletes at their peak in a sport like football is much smaller than in basketball. You know, you take LeBron into consideration here, you know, he's well into his thirties and still playing at a very high level. You just don't see that in football with most position players, Tom Brady being probably the exception, Aaron Rodgers being the exception, but don't forget they're playing quarterback and the quarterback position is much more protected nowadays than it used to be. So it's hard to compare the two sports there's a lot of other things fact that factor in. Um, the, there are some injuries that are very unique to football and that are very unique to basketball. But overall, the basketball players do tend to get handled with a little bit more of kid gloves. And part of the reason is because of the nature and length of their season and the amount of money that's being thrown around for some of their contracts and the window of time where they are at their peak when you compare it to football. Okay. Thanks, Brian. Um, Brian, I don't know if anyone asked about Michael Thomas. Um, did you talk touch on Michael Thomas already? I did not, and I briefly came across something on him a little while ago. Can you refresh my memory about what he's dealing with right now? Oh, I guess he waited till later to have surgery. So, apparently, Apparently, it's compromising his um, – he can miss a significant amount of time, basically. He waited because I think they gave him two options. You can rehab um, with the team or you can have surgery. So instead of electing to do either one, he rehabbed by himself. But when he rehabbed by himself, he had a setback and then had to have surgery. So he didn't rehab with the team or have surgery. He did it by himself. When if he would have did one of the other ones, it, yeah, so it's kind of muddy, murky, muddied up the waters as far as his return. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> this um, is always an issue with any of the sports teams that I've worked with in the past. Um, and when you get to the professional level, this gets magnified by – a thousand percent, you know, you're contractually obligated to a team. You're contractually obligated to seek their medical personnel's opinion, but you're not necessarily obligated to have it treated by them. 
you can, if you want, go outside and seek second and third opinions. You can then decide where and when you want to have surgery. So they're only limited in so much with what they can tell you to do. You know, I think the issue with Michael Thomas was that um, he had two surgeries on his ankle. And apparently, like you said, the rehab didn't go according to plan from the organization's point of view, and it led to problems afterwards. It's hard to say without knowing for sure what he had done. From what I've read, he had some type of ligamentous surgery, which in the ankle is one of the actually more proven, more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? More uh, successful surgeries that are done in the ankle joint. So the recovery for that is actually usually really good. And the physical therapy for that is usually very advanced and very quick to progress through. So my guess is that maybe something happened and he wasn't able to get through it in the fashion or time frame that they thought. And as a result, that kind of put a kink in his season uh, his projected start to the 2021 season. So um, it, it does muddy the water quite a bit because then the organization is kind of like, well, you know, you chose to take this route. And in, in doing so, you may have actually negated some of the um, uh, contractual agreements that we had in place, you know. So there's a lot of things outside of actual football and sports medicine that then become that then factor into the whole decision-making process because now it becomes an issue as well. If that doctor cleared, uh, did surgery on you, then you're going to have to go back to him to clear you. He's not affiliated with the organization. We're not going to take his word for it. We're going to make you see somebody else instead. And then if the player decides that they don't want to do that, then it becomes a whole big mess. And my guess is that's what's probably going on behind the scenes. That Thomas is probably dealing with some type of complication or setback during his recovery and now is being told by the organization, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And he's probably like, well, I didn't want to do that in the first place. I'm not going to do that now. And rather than come back too soon and risk further injury, I'm going to go on my own timetable and do it at my own pace. That does happen. I mean, it, it happens a lot. We're not always privy to the information or the um, facts behind it and why, but that's probably what's going on behind the scenes. And I don't know that for a fact. That's just my speculation based on my experience and stuff. But that would not surprise me because it's rare that guys have surgery or treatment like that or recovering like that. And then all of a sudden decide at the last minute to pull the trigger on a second surgery. So there's always something more to that story. Got you. Okay. Uh, I guess this will be my last one. Um, the center for Marcus Aldridge. He's considering a comeback. Um, what do you think the chances are for Marcus Aldridge to make it back to his old form? He's uh, referring to Marcus Aldridge of the Brooklyn Nets, who's trying to come back after a brief, uh, immediate retirement after a cardiac condition. Um, oh yeah, yeah. sorry, Brian. yeah, I forgot that he had that. To be honest, um, that's a you know a little surprising. Um, um, you know when guys. Well, so he was like 35, no? I think he was well into his career before they diagnosed yeah, 30, him with 30, this. Yeah, 36. Yeah. Um, kind of odd that they would find something that late in his career. But some of the reports I heard was that he was dealing with what's called Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome, 
which is basically, if you look at the heart and the heart has electrical pathways where it sends signals to allow to, for normal contractions. And if you have Wolf Parkinson White, you basically have this abnormal electrical pathway. Well, that is treatable. You can get surgery to fix that. How successful that is and what the projection is about returning to high-level athletics after that, I could not tell you because that's not my area of expertise. But in order for him to do that, he would have to have the green light from every cardiologist he ever saw. <laughs> and um, if they were giving him the green light and he felt good enough to do it, then I would expect him to come back. Whether or not he'll be at the same level of um, ability really has to do with how much conditioning and preparation he does before he comes back. When your business is starting its championship run, nothing matters more than finding and hiring the best team. With Indeed, you have the power to build a dynasty by hiring more MVPs faster. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business. And it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no-brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way, from creating product listings, to making discount codes, to managing shipments. In fact, if you wanna see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's no wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Wu Tungsten, by going to shopify.com slash bluewire right now. That's shopify.com slash bluewire.
So, Brian, um, we've had like a season with COVID and, you know, some folks have, you know, received COVID and all that other stuff. So what's your thoughts on someone getting contracted with COVID, infected with COVID and then coming back, you know, whenever they can come back? Do you, in your mind, see any slip slip off or slippage of their performance or do you think it depends on a position or anything like that? Can you add any color to that? Um, I can give you a little bit of feedback on that. That's not my area of expertise, obviously, but what I have read in the literature and what I have seen firsthand is that even though some of these athletes may be asymptomatic, meaning they do not display any symptoms of COVID, um, there is a small risk based on some of the literature, and this is not, as far as I know, been proven to a statistical significance, but there has been some um, findings of this is that some people after being infected with COVID, whether it's symptomatic or not, may develop some type of post-viral myocarditis or inflammation within the heart muscle tissue, which has then led to some form or some degree of cardiac arrhythmias, meaning the heart's not beating normally, or there's some type of abnormality within the heart muscle tissue. That hasn't really bore out to a statistical significance factor. But the other issue with COVID is that it has also caused some residual lung problems. And so when you're looking at a professional athlete, the cardiovascular system, it, I mean, it's the driving horse of their ability to be able to perform. So um, any of these guys that are infected, I can guarantee you are undergoing extensive pulmonary and cardiac workups to make sure that they do not have any residual um, effects from the COVID virus. And that's a real thing with a lot of different viruses. You can get what's called a post-viral myocarditis, which can then lead to cardiac, cardiac arrhythmias, meaning the heart beats abnorm abnormally because of scarring and fibrosis or scar tissue, which forms within the heart muscle due to the virus. This is a known thing for other viruses. And I've seen this firsthand. If you guys check out some of my previous podcast episodes, I actually interviewed a colleague of mine who was a former professional rugby football player in Europe for many years. And he had this happen to him and actually went into cardiac arrest and had to be resuscitated and put in an ICU on a ventilator. He recovered and it was a miraculous recovery, but this is a known thing. And the advantage that these professional athletes have that we don't is that they have the ability to have all this testing done within a moment's notice. So my guess is that any player who tests positive for COVID is being watched, monitored, and tested very closely and extensively to make sure they don't develop any pulmonary or cardiac abnormalities as a result of their COVID-positive tests. Thanks. That was kind of thorough. Um, last year, I believe, Cam Newton got contracted COVID. So, you know, I think he was saying that he never felt right for like three or four weeks, you know, and I don't, you know, I'm thinking it wasn't necessarily the cardiac piece. I was just wondering, could it be something else too that you're just still in a funk or daze or, you know, I've never contracted COVID, but so I, I can't speak to it. So I was just wondering, did you hear of anything like that, that you maybe not yourself for a bit? 
Yeah, I mean, I've I've dealt with patients who've had it. I've I've actually my wife has had it. Um, I have been fortunate enough to not contract it. I've been vaccinated now since January. Um, it it is a very serious problem. It is a very serious virus. Um, it has knocked some really healthy young people down on their butts for several weeks at a time. It's basically like having the flu magnified to the tenth degree. So yes. Um, if you're symptomatic, it can have a detrimental effect to your entire body. My wife laid in bed for two weeks with it, and a dry, healthy, you know, thirty-something-year-old female had two kids, and nothing really gets her. It got her, and it got her good. And I've seen um, other young, healthy, physically fit individuals get it and be knocked out for several weeks, even months before they're really falling back to normal. And that's typical of a lot of viruses, especially when you're looking at things like the. Yeah. Um, the fact that Cam Newton didn't feel right for a while, not surprising, especially if he had symptoms. Thank you so much, Brian. Great question, Roman. Great question. Uh, Scott, I saw you open up. You got another one as you welcome my uh, Christian down below. Uh, Dwayne, Aaron, and Deb, if you want to pop up and ask your questions for Brian while we still uh, have some time, now's the time to go ahead and raise your hand. Uh, Scott, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, um, like Chris Paul's is a good success story. He bounced back. I think he got it. I think he did contract COVID, right? Chris Paul in yeah, the playoffs? Correct. He, he yeah. did. There's, yeah, I mean, there's he did. Yeah, he came back and had like a 40-point game that games and then at the first game of the finals he had a 30 so like he bounced that good yeah there, there's been a lot of athletes that have been tested and tested positive the key is whether or not they've actually had symptoms because there's a lot of people with this particular virus that test positive but don't necessarily have symptoms uh, and I don't know if Chris Paul actually did have symptoms I can tell you that those people who do they tend not to be mild. They tend to be more significant. Um, I mean, there's a chance that maybe he just had a mild case of symptoms, which would, you know, then probably make more sense if he was able to bounce back and play at a pretty high level. My guess is that he probably didn't have symptoms at all, or if they were there, they were very mild. Okay. Thanks, Brian. Another outstanding answer. All right, let's uh, get some rapid-fire questions. If you have a thought or a team, we can do it that way. Uh, we will go with, uh, let's start with the NFC East. Brian, any injuries you know of note? Uh, Eagles, Giants, the Washington professional football team, and the Dallas Cowboys currently playing uh, from your notes or anything of note that you want to add in from the NFC East? and. Uh, if anybody else has a question, now's definitely a great time to go ahead and shout, or shoot it out there. All right, no, nothing on the uh, NFC East. Just wondering. All right, anybody else have a question for uh, injuries as we watch uh, the end of the first quarter? Dallas up three nothing over the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh in the Hall of Fame game. I was just wondering, does he have anything on the NFC South? What's good, y'all? 
Okay. Um, any any okay. team in particular, or just, just any of them in in general for that particular division? Um, I mean, Carolina's in that division. Uh, you know, McCaffrey's coming off a high ankle sprain last year, causing him to miss a significant amount of time. But I expect that he'll be good to go and as good as new because they, they actually treated it appropriately. He was out for a long time, but unfortunately with high ankle sprains, it takes a long time to get better. And a lot of times the big issue with those is people come back way too soon. You know, Saquon had that two years ago before he had his ACL and he came back way too early and ended up missing more time later. So I think the Panthers treated it correctly. I expect him to have a, a, an awesome year this year so long as he stays healthy, but I don't think his ankle is going to be an issue. Who else is in that division? Um, I'm looking now here. Well, you'd have Atlanta as well, Tampa Bay. I mean, I don't think anybody else has had any major injuries in that division that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, yeah, no, it's it's definitely, uh, and even the injuries that they lift, you know, in the training camp, they try not to lift anything. Uh, beyond questionable, right? Like right. if either questionable or out, so it's definitely hard to. Um, one thing that I I, I would want to know is that there have been a couple of players that have been placed on the injured reserve list, uh, already suffering uh, season-ending injuries. And I was just wondering, do you pay attention uh, as a professional to like the trends to see if there's just like a year that has a higher you know, amount of injuries. I've always actually wanted to, to know that. As someone who practices medicine and, and you're watching sports, do you actually say, man, this is actually like abnormally, like an abnormal amount of injuries? The NFL actually has injury tracking software, as do a lot of the other major professional sports organizations, where they actually keep a very close record of all of these these statistics when it comes to injuries. So if I wanted to, I can look it up. I just tend to go on based on what I see, based on the reports and the press. And the reason for that is because if it's like a third string or fourth string guy, it's really not going to affect the outcome of the game or fantasy sports much. So is it really that important? Probably not. I mean, you're going to see trends from year to year. Um, You know, when you look at COVID in 2020, it presented a unique set of circumstances in that there was a shortened season. Then there was a shortened off season. The schedule was all out of whack. The timing was all out of whack preparation before the season was all out of whack. So you're bound to see things on that in that year that you probably never saw before. And there's going to be, you know, some blips in the radar, so to speak, because of the nature of that season. Um, But if you look at trends going back many years, which the NFL has injury statistics on, as does some of the other major sports medicine organizations, um, you probably won't see much of a, of a glitch in the statistical data, a lot of it has not changed. And that's why one of the funny things I remember being reported recently was the whole playing surface being a factor. And that's really never been an issue. Even when they introduced AstroTurf versus natural grass fields in the NFL, 
there was all this talk about how the AstroTurf caused more significant injuries than the regular grass fields. And over the years, they looked at that extensively, and there was no statistical difference. So some of the turf and synthetic fields that are there now are actually much better than the old original AstroTurf. So the, the statistical data on that doesn't prove the theory. So I tend not to really look at that stuff unless I have a good reason to. All right, Matt. Thanks for that answer. Uh, we are at 8.46. I want to make sure everybody has a chance to get the questions in. Uh, so Aaron, Dwayne, Deb, if you want to come up, raise your hand. Uh, Nikki, I, I tell you what, with your ankle injury, uh, I, I figure you might have a question about Brian, uh, to Brian, maybe about how many uh, people would actually be able to recover, as you so have said in your story. I think that's well, okay. the best thing about me. <laughs> um, I think the doctor said I was pain tolerant. So, you know, the day that I had my surgery, um, I was walking on the broke leg, not knowing that it was broken because I'm a lefty. So my first leg is the right leg. So I broke my le- my right ankle. So I didn't know that my leg was broken until they touched my shin. My shin had a split in it. <laughs> so when he touched his shin, pop goes my ankle and bam, my ankle broken, you know, pieces, like whatever. They broke in two. <laughs> so I didn't know my ankle was broken until I stepped on it. <laughs> So, you know, that was the hardest thing. Like, you know, I, I will tell you, it was really emotional because I was like, I'm always, I've been a starter for 14 years, even in New York and Cali. I live in New York City. I fly out to Cali to play. And that's the hardest thing. Like, I had to, I'm going against 18-year-old girls who, like, might be bigger than me, might be stronger than me, but they're not smarter than me on the football field. Like, well, that's, I, that's I, actually I, great. I want to I ask Brian, have you heard of an athlete suffering from injuries such as that? Um, yeah, so, you know, one of the podcast episodes I did was on Alex Smith. He had a really bad tibia fibula fracture that was open, meaning the bone came out through the skin. Now, Nikki, I don't think you had that, but still, the injury is similar. The only difference being between one that's open and one that's not is the risk of infection and subsequent com- compl- uh, complications that can result as a because of that. But, you know, everybody tolerates pain differently. It's very subjective. There's no way you can determine or know who's going to react to what injury compared to the next person. Um, from all the things that Nikki's told us, she's, a, she's an outlier. She doesn't fit into the normal bell-shaped curve. She's on one end or the other. <laughs> Ouch, um, that hurt. No, that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. That's that's a compliment. Um, because obviously you Violet can play G. through a lot of things that most people cannot, um, based on what you're telling us. So um you're not the person I would use as an example because you do things and you recover from things much differently when the average person does and the average athlete does. And that's a good for you. Like Thank God, because yeah. otherwise you'd never be able to sustain thank you, thank that level you. of performance. I still got my, I still got the pins in my ankles. I got two I'm screws sure in my do. ankles. They they said that it fused. I got a bionic right foot. You but, do. Mm, you you do. do. There you go. Good. Something something that's actually uh, there to hold uh, a medical marvel. Uh, <laughs> all right, Ryan. I want to make sure uh, that we get some of these NFL injuries to go here. Uh, Washington was the second quarter of the Hall of Fame game. Uh, Ryan. 
in the AFC, is there any players that you have a question about? In the AFC, it would mostly be Joe Burrow right now coming off that drastic injury that he suffered last year. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And, um, you know, I'm surprised nobody brought that up earlier. You know, he had – so the reports were that he had a multi-ligament knee injury. So he did not just tear his ACL. He also tore, apparently, his MCL, which is the ligament on the inside part of the knee, and his PCL, which is the ligament that sits behind the ACL, which has a similar purpose, but it's not quite as important. So when you injure your ACL – Big problems. That's a primary stabilizer of the knee. It helps prevent the knee from basically popping out of place with any type of rotational movement or acceleration, deceleration. When you talk about the PCL, though, it's not quite as important. And so for that reason, a lot of times that is not as big a factor as the ACL. The MCL itself, the ligament on the inside part of the knee, much different type of ligament when you compare it to the other two. It's, it's on the inside part of the knee. It has different responsibilities. It's a much different type of ligament in that it's wider, flatter, more broad. It has a bigger attachment point. And oftentimes, it is not fixed surgically. It is usually amenable to just letting it heal on its own. The ACL is not like that. You cannot leave an ACL ruptured in an athletic person. It just You can't. Um, the PCL is different, though. There have been players that have played with no PCL ligament and been just fine. Um, so that wasn't the issue. The issue with Burrow was that by having multi-ligaments injured, it prolonged his ability to probably have surgery and to then recover. Because now you're not just dealing with just the ACL like Odell Beckham Jr. Now you're dealing with all these other injuries as well. So the, it it can definitely prolong the rehab process and the process with getting back to sport. Whether or not there was any other major internal structural damage to the joint itself, meaning the cartilage or the meniscus, the other things that are in the knee joint, um, sounds like it probably wasn't an issue, which is a testament to his youth probably and just pure luck. And if he's doing well and his ACL has healed and he's out now nine plus months from the time of the injury, I see no reason why this may cause any major short-term effects, but you can probably bet that this has probably shortened his career by a few years, unfortunately, because when you have injuries like this, there, it's inevitable that you will develop some type of post-traumatic arthritis in the knee at some point. And eventually this will be his demise. Eventually this will catch up with him. The question is when that will happen and there's no real answer. Nobody knows. It's just a matter of wait and see. And that's for any type of knee injuries, like the Beckhams, that, that by default will shorten their career, like ACL type deals? Well, anytime you have an injury like that, there is a risk that you've then caused some type of trauma to some degree to the rest of the knee joint because that ligament is so important with stabilizing that joint. Sometimes those injuries aren't apparent at the time of the injury. You may not see the effects of that sometimes for years down the road. There's no way to know. All you can do is look at that current time and see if there's any type of trauma. And if there isn't, then you just assume that it's probably fine. Sometimes that's the case, and sometimes guys do well and don't have any major issues. But there's also the case where that isn't true, and 
sometimes years later, they also all of a sudden you you take another X-ray, you look at another MRI, and you say, hey, there's some really bad arthritis here. We could probably trace this back to that ACL injury you had back in 2020. Um, and you don't know when that's going to happen, if that's going to happen, and to what degree that's going to happen. Anytime you've had an injury like that, you've gotten off the highway of a normal knee and headed down the path of some type of post-traumatic arthritis. So then why would they have Kevin Durant come back and play years ago with uh, Golden State when he had the initial injury then, Brian? For his Achilles? Yeah. yeah. That, well, that, that's a totally that's different, different injury. Two different injuries. Well, two okay. completely different injuries. You're okay. talking about a tendon sure. in the ankle, and you're talking about a knee ligament. Very okay. different injuries. Fair enough. Yeah. But, but in general, though, wouldn't other body parts have to kind of, you know, compensate when you are injured? It, it's not like about that? compensation. It's about the role of this structure that is injured and what it protects and what its job is. The ACL the is a stabilizer of, of the knee joint. If that ligament is injured, the knee joint becomes inherently ins- unstable. And if it's unstable, then the stresses get redistributed to the cartilage. And the cartilage is the main thing that keeps people's joints healthy. It's like the tread on your tires. If the tread on your tire starts to go down, your tire is eventually going to blow out. Well, it's the same concept with your knee or any other joint for that matter where there's cartilage. If that cartilage is compromised at any point, to some degree, eventually it will fail. You can't drive on a car tire for 150,000 miles. There's just no tire out there that's made like that. The same thing with people's knee joints. You can't expect an athlete to be able to perform at a high level on a joint that has some degree of injury. At some point, it's going to catch up with them. And that's the case with any of these guys who've had ACL injuries. Now, when you're talking tendons, that's a different story. It's a completely different animal. Okay. The integrity of the knee becomes compromised. Yeah. I mean, anytime you have a major ligament like that that's injured, at the time of the injury, there is potential risk of damage to that joint. And if you continue to play on it or perform on it or deal with it without getting proper treatment, then the risk becomes exponentially greater and the chance of you developing really bad problems in a very quick fashion, a very advanced stage, become exponentially greater. All right, we've got 8.57 here getting ready, I believe, at 9, right, to wrap up. I want to make sure everybody has a chance to get their questions and anybody else have a player or team they want to ask Brian about. Yeah, Brian, is Julio Jones 100% now? And if he's not, why isn't he 100%? Um, He's... He's dealing with a hamstring still, right? Is that still his issue? I think I know that's what he was dealing with last year. Right. How long does it take for a hamstring though? Six months or like? Oh, well, so the issue with him is that he had a hamstring injury, came back and then re-aggravated it in some point during the season, if I'm not mistaken. And at his age, because he's well into his career, That's one of those things that can linger for a very long time and potentially cause him to either A, need surgery or possibly be something that, and I hate to say it, but may even end his career. I mean, when you have a muscular injury like that, especially in the hamstring muscles, which are notorious for having injuries, um, those can be really difficult to, to treat. They can be really difficult to recover from and get back to a high level performance with. 
And if not given adequate time to rest and then re-injured, it, it, it just becomes a really difficult thing to deal with and treat. I can't tell you a timetable for him. When you have hamstring injuries first time and they're acute, if they're significant enough, it could be months sometimes before those guys are back to 100%. When you're dealing with an injury that occurred later in your career and then you get re-injured after trying to come back, uh, it's anybody's guess. All right. Uh, I see see Angelo has popped up. We're going to go ahead and give Angelo the last question. Uh, Angelo, what do you have for Brian uh, talking about NFL injuries as we're watching uh, Steelers and Cowboys in the NFL Hall of Fame game? What about uh, James Winston? What's his name? Uh, Carson Winston's injury with his toe. Um. Well, it's not his toe. From everything I've read or heard, it's something in his midfoot. And, from and you know, I, I touched on this earlier when we first started the room. It, it is very confusing. The reports that are coming out of the organization, the reports that are coming from Frank Reich, the head coach, are very confusing from my point of view because there's only so many things that can be going on in the area of his foot that they said it was that I'm not sure what's going on. Um. You can have tendon injuries there. You can have fractures there. You can have all kinds of stuff happen there. But the way they're reporting it is not the way a medical person would report it. Uh, report it. It's coming from the coach's mouth. And he's basically telling his interpretation of what the doctor said. I can tell that because what he's saying makes no sense. My guess is that it's probably nothing serious, that he's probably going to be closer to that five-week return to play mark. Um, and at five weeks, if he's not back, then you'll probably hear some type of excuse as to why. And at that point, I say he probably won't be back 12 weeks, but I think there's a lot of political stuff going on behind the scenes. I think this is more of like a, um, we don't want to kind of fold our hand right now and let everybody else know where we're at because that's going to change everybody's strategy against us. I think this is, there's more to this story that we just don't know and may never know. This is not so cut and dry. I gotcha. All right, and let's just do a quick uh, follow-up with that because, again, uh, Quentin Nelson, the center, also has a midfoot injury. Real quick, Brian, uh, as a center, a little bit different just due to the physiology of how the muscles move within that position. We know that the the surgery was similar, but the timetable for recovery and the effect is going to be different. Anything you want to add in on Quentin Nelson before we get ready to sign off? Um, just that, again, that it doesn't really make much sense. I mean, um, you got two guys apparently with the same injury, but apparently with two different timetables. And apparently the timetable was dependent on what they had to do during surgery. So that to me doesn't make any sense. What I will say is that the linemen, you know, all they do is plant, block, and have to push off and stabilize themselves with their foot, their ankle, their lower extremity. So if they're saying that he's coming back in five weeks, but but possibly that Wentz may be coming back later, um, then it's probably more along the lines of not a fracture, but probably some type of ligament or tendon type injury where they have to do some type of major reconstructive or repair. Um that's the only thing I can think of that would prolong it. But again, it, it really doesn't make much sense that all of a sudden uh, another player at a completely different position has the same issue and has the same surgery, but the timetable is still 
really this <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm as confused as you guys are. All right. I just wanted to make sure we got that in there because I, I when I was reading it I I also was just kinda like, What? And I wanted to make sure that I was able to ask you about yeah, it. Yeah, it, it makes no sense, even from my point of view. Like if I look at it as a purely as a healthcare provider, it makes no sense. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for coming in. Nikki, you are an amazing, amazing story. Thank you for being able to share. Roman, Scott, and Angelo, thank you for your questions. Ryan, uh, one of our best co-hosts you could have uh, up here with Brian and Candy here on the Pro Sports Network. So please tap the greenhouse. And, and as Candy stated earlier, uh, stick around, pay attention to the space because we'll be having a congratulatory party, a celebratory party reaching 20,000 here on Clubhouse after all the changes uh, is a great, great feat, and we're going to continue to grow because we'll have people like Ryan and Brian providing great content. Uh, so, Brian, thank you very much for bringing the engine list uh, from the Blue Wire podcast family here to the Pro Sports Network on Clubhouse. My pleasure, and thank you guys for participating and asking some really good questions. Thank you, Chris and Ryan and Candy, for helping me out get started. Guys, I'm going to be here pretty much every week during football season. Um, so there's plenty of time to ask questions, plenty of time to think of things you may want to know. Um, as we get started here with the football season in a few weeks, uh, it's going to be even more important to help kind of figure out your roster situation. Um, and I'm in the same boat. I do some fantasy stuff too. And you know what? It's At the end of the day, we're all kind of on the same level. But if I can give you some information to help you make some better decisions, uh, then that's what I'm here to do. And uh, thank you, everybody, for participating. Uh, look for this room uh, every Thursday at 745. Uh, check out my podcast. I've got a lot of different injury topics that I've covered in the past and will cover in the future. I got an episode coming out next week where I talk with a sports performance nutritionist, which is some really good information uh, for any of you people interested about what that's all about. So thank you, Chris. Thank you, Candy. Thank you, Ryan. And thank you, everybody, for participating. I'm going to shut the room down now in three, two, and one. You're listening to the Injured List Podcast with your host, Brian Scott, your go-to resource for all sport injury-related topics. For show notes and other resources, visit theinjuredlist.com.